Welcome to The Pastor's Cut, a podcast of Park Community Church in Chicago. Every time a pastor prepares a sermon, there's all kinds of material that influences, shapes, and informs, but ultimately gets cut from the final preach. The Pastor's Cut is a chance to go behind the scenes and access that content that informs our teaching every week at Park. This week, I'm joined by Jackson Crum, former lead pastor of Park and current member of our global team, as we discuss what got cut from his sermon on Acts chapter 15. So let's get started. I'm your host, Trevor Lovell, and this is The Pastor's Cut with Jackson Crum. All right, Jackson, good to have you on the show. Fun to be here, Trevor. I remember when this started. Yeah. Yeah, you were actually, you were the first guest on the, like, on the official episode where we were talking sermon and everything. You're the, the first one, so. Oh, my gosh. Well, it's fun to see what, what's going on with this. Way to go. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, so it was great having you back. Maybe just for anyone who, who wouldn't know uh, who you are, uh, anyone who's joined in the past year or so, or maybe at one of the other churches, could you just kind of share your, uh, kind of your relationship to Park? Yeah. For uh, over 15 years, I was the lead pastor at Park. And then the last year that I was at Park, uh, I uh, joined the global team. I resigned as lead pastor and as an elder, and I joined the global team. And now uh, I am on Dave Childers' team. My wife and I, Don and I, are serving overseas in, uh, in the Middle East region. And our job is we are to care for, we have been purposed to care for the hundred or so that we are intending to send out from park all over the world. So we're on field care. And our purpose statement is if we can help people flourish, they'll last longer. So we want to invest in people any way they need to be invested in, in partnership with their, their team leader to help them flourish and stay longer. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And that, that really was like a strategic move, right? Because um, I remember talking about this with you when people need care on the field, uh, like life is difficult uh, at times. And so um, well, if you have to come all the way back to the States to receive that care, a lot of times people, they don't return to the field. And, and so this was a, a pretty strategic move, right? And, it was. And it's something my wife had written up a couple of years ago, not knowing this would be us, but this was her recommendation to part that the day would come that somebody would do this. Little did we know it would be us. Yeah. Hey, that's a, that's a great idea. Why don't you do that? Yeah. <laughs> that's good. Um, so what's this past year been like for you overseas? Um, it has been an, an absolute blast and incredibly difficult all at the same time. We love it. In fact, when we were coming back to Chicago, we really kind of said it this way. We're going back to where we used to live because where we're living is home and we're very settled but at the same time, it's been incredibly hard, Trevor. You know, I had an issue with my residency permit that took a lot of time. I had an issue registering my phone. Everybody has to register the phone. That took some time. There were some complications. I dislocated my hip. You know, there's just been a number of things. But at the same time, the way I look at it is, is that we've learned to navigate some important things in the first year. As hard as it was, we've learned to navigate some things, which allows us, again, to be more settled, feel more comfortable. So it's been wonderful. And, you know, we've gotten after what God has called us to do. We're learning language, which is just kicking my fanny, but I'm enjoying it. I'm purposeful. I'm very disciplined. If I'm nothing, I'm disciplined. My wife's doing really well, though. She would say, as you've heard her say, she doesn't think she's doing well. She's doing really well. <laughs> uh, we're loving on those people sent by Park. 
and then at the same time, I'm engaged with the local uh, community of Christians here. And, and so we're loving it. Yeah, we're enjoying it very much. Yeah, yeah, that's great to hear. Um, I'm sure that sense of home, especially after a place you lived prior, you'd been here for so long, uh, to find that somewhere in a new place is not always an easy thing or a guarantee. So it's, it's great to hear that you guys have kind of got that established and um, that that really is, it's, it's home now. Yeah. And it's always been wherever Donna is, I'm the most comfortable. I know that sounds so hokey, but it's true. <laughs> wherever Donna is, I'm the most comfortable. You know, Donna just takes to being overseas uh, like a duck to water, you know. I mean, yeah. she just slides right into it, and she's very comfortable, and, and, and I am too, so thank you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, Jackson, you preached at uh, Near North in Lincoln Park this past weekend. Uh, Jerusalem Council, great to have you back, to have a chance to send of your teaching again. Uh, could you give us a quick recap of your sermon? Yeah. I, I, to, to say it as quickly and as briefly as I can, and then you can poke on it, Trevor, is that Paul comes back, Paul and Barnabas come back from the first missionary journey, and I believe, and we can talk about it, I believe it, got, it stirred up some very conservative Judaizers in Jerusalem because John Mark, John Mark came back and gave a bad report on Paul and Barnabas. And so some guys come up to Antioch, modern day Antakya, but came up to Antioch and began to preach, you need to become Jewish, you need to be circumcised, you need to become part of the covenant in order to be a full Christian with all, you know, all the full rights of being a follower of Christ. And so the leaders of Antioch wisely sent Paul and Barnabas and others down to the council to talk to the leadership. And so it was the first church council to begin to, to decide, do Gentiles, and I should have said that from the get-go, do Gentiles need to be circumcised in order to become followers of Christ? And how did that process unfold? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know the, the way that you had kind of um, picked apart the, what was happening with John Mark because uh, I, I had heard, I you know, you read different things about that and hear different things. I had never heard that interpretation, that the reason he leaves the, the journey, the reason he deserts Paul and Barnabas, um, isn't because the journey's too difficult and he just can't hack it, but it's, he's concerned theologically about what's happening. And that I think that provides a really good explanation to what you see happen in terms of the, the Judaizers going up into the region of Galatia. That's why Paul has to write Galatians, the Jerusalem Council coming. Uh, like you're saying, that going up into Antioch and then uh, kind of leads into all of that. And then even you had mentioned this in the second missionary journey, Paul and Barnabas, they agree that they should go back and visit the churches. But Barnabas wants to bring John Mark and Paul's like, absolutely not. And, uh, and not necessarily because he thinks there's like a weakness there, like he won't be able to hack it. But but because of the, the theological differences are still there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what you what you see is you see Paul, of course, going to the Jews like he does. He goes to the synagogue, he reasons in the synagogue. The city in Antioch, mm -hmm. he's recognized as someone who is important. But then after that, he would go to the Gentiles. And I think what, what John Mark saw through the journey in Cyprus is that Paul is then not making the demand, you need to be circumcised, you need to become a Jew. Or, as I would say, in a proselyte is the way they describe, the rabbis described it. You need to become a Jew to become a Christian. And Paul is treating Gentiles as Gentiles. Christ, by faith in, in the work of grace. And I think John Mark was bothered by it. Paul even uses, Paul was born with two names. He was born with a Jewish name, Saul. He was born with a Roman name, Paul. 
and he begins to use his Roman name. And I think that bothers John Mark immensely. Because if you notice, it says John Mark leaves uh, up in Turkey. When they land in Turkey, John Mark leaves and goes back to Jerusalem. So, yeah, I think he goes home to Tattletale. I think he goes yeah. home to say, you know what, Paul? Paul's not telling them they need to become yeah. Christians. Yeah. 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 Okay. So this makes me curious about something else. Um, with When it comes to preaching, this has been, you know, I've only been preaching consistently for about three years now. Um, and one of the things I've, I've experienced is that, you know, going through the uh, book of Galatians initially, then the book of Exodus, Romans, now the book of Acts, you, your own theology and your own understanding of the scriptures, it deepens so much as you teach through a book. And it really, it begins to shape you. Uh, in the way that you understand things. And so I'm curious, just as, as someone who's, you know, you've been actively involved in preaching for, for over 30 years. Um, what, when you look back at your own story, are, are there certain uh, certain books that you preached through that were especially impactful? And, and kind of what was that like? Mm, that's a good question, Trevor. Yeah, uh, Romans, Ephesians, for sure, mm -hmm. have been impactful in terms of deepening my understanding of theology. In practical theology, it, it, meaning that both of those are responding to something. You know, Paul is responding. Yes, Romans, he says, I'm laying out my, my theology for you because I want to come visit. But he still, he's laying out his theology. So it's very ordered. But understanding that and who he's writing to. Uh, he's writing to Jews and Gentiles, but he also expects a lot of the Jewish background believers to interpret the things that he's writing because he uses a ton of Old Testament stuff. Yeah. And so, yeah, teaching those two books for me have been especially impactful and important. Acts, I always love Acts because of the movement of the church. And I always love the Gospels because it always paints Christ. Mm -hmm. And I'm now just rambling, but uh, uh, allow me to ramble for just yeah. a moment. Even teaching through the Gospels has helped because you make some connections. You understand the historical context a little bit better. Every time Jesus says something, it's within a historical context. It's within a Jewish context. Mm -hmm. And so as I've come to understand some of the historical Jewish context, I've understood Jesus's teaching better. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know that when I first started out. I mean, it, it, you don't need to know it to be able to preach the word. You can preach the word. Yeah. But as you understand the depth and the richness of it, it makes his, his words make more and more sense. Oh, he is addressing this. He is stepping into this argument of the day or whatever it might be. And so, yeah, you know, you kind of grow. I look back, Trevor, when I first started preaching, I've kept those notes. I've gone back and looked at those notes and it's like, oh, my gosh, did I say that? Oh, my gosh, Lord, you are so kind and good you know, that you allowed your word to go forth. Because I think he honors, truly, I think he honors the sincerity of the wrestling of the word, even if it's not perfect. Mm -hmm. you know, it, it, and, and, oh gosh, you may get all kind of questions and calls about that one. But, you know, as we, we teach as young teachers, there's things that we're still learning and developing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes I know, like, the, the sermons that I've learned the most from have been the ones where I've missed it. And... And uh, somebody has told me that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've had that. That's the only thing about the church. I don't want to go to my doctor and tell my doctor what he, he should be thinking, right? Yeah. You know, I want my doctor to know a whole lot more than me. But in the church, as followers of Christ, we all have the Word of God and we all have the Spirit of God. 
Mm-hmm. And there are times when people sitting in the seats either come up and ask a good question or challenge something I've said. And the way they've asked it or challenged it has caused me to see it in a different light. Yeah. And right now I can't give you an example of that, but it's happened several times where you go, oh, wow, I didn't think of it that way. Mm-hmm. As you know, I've got a couple of friends who are not followers of Christ that I read the Bible with. And they see things. Because they have no presupposition. They ask questions. They see things where I go, many times I go, wow, I have never seen it that way. I've never thought of it that way. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yes, we, we, we live in a community and we push on each other. You know, and I mean, and that's the way it should be. Yeah. 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 Shapes things, makes things better. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, man, so let's let's jump into what got cut here and, and i know that we had talked a little bit beforehand and uh like if you want to dive into some biblical theological pieces that uh of course is always great but also uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to just hearing kind of some stories from from parks past some some of the some of the really significant uh events and kind of moments in our history that uh, a lot of people just because of the transiency uh just don't know about but yeah i'd love to hear some of that oh those were fun to share. I, I, the the big things I had to cut out was it was part of the, you know the passage was long and it had some some large narrative pieces. You know it says that Paul and Barnabas traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria and they shared about the works and wonders of God. And I think that's fascinating. It's it's like Paul and Barnabas were practicing their presentation on the way down. You know they're they're telling their stories and you know you and I both know that like telling stories. The more we say them out loud, the better we are at communicating them. You know, as you and I practice when we preach, you tell the stories out loud to get the details right and be able to, to communicate it right. So I think Paul and Barnabas were practicing on the way down. And they're practicing with Gentiles. They're telling stories to Gentiles, Phoenicians, Gentiles, Samarians, perhaps you have Gentile. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that they are explaining, look what God's done among you types. Look what God is doing. Yes, to the Jew, Jew for sure. But look, God is, the gospel has moved from Jerusalem, Judea, now into Samaria, and now to remote parts of the world. Man, it's working. Hear the stories of what took place. Yeah. That's one. The other thing is that we really didn't get time to get into was the church argues, and it's okay. We hear the word argue, and we assume it's bad. You had an argument. But to argue, to dialogue, literally, to dialogue with each other is a very important thing Mm -hmm. to discuss. You and I have been in pastor's meetings where we've had strong opinions around something. And we push on each other. And we get to a better place. You know, I might change. You might change. And together we get to a third place where we go, this is more of where we need to be. And so the fact that the church had this church council where it says they strongly interacted with you, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. That's a very healthy thing to do. You, you and I in our marriages, you and I have conversations with our spouses. You know, my wife and your wife are both very talented, gifted, godly women, and they got strong thoughts on things. I need to hear it. Yeah. And so we discuss, we disagree until we finally get to a better place, you know, a truth together. I'm not saying we one gives up and the other keeps going, but together in that argument, we get to a better place. And so I really didn't have time to discuss that and get after it because I think it's important. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Um, yeah, it makes me think of different gospel kind of pieces where sometimes, that, like, the reason we can't 
we're unable to do that is because we get so attached to our position or our opinion and uh, fail to realize that we're not, our, like our identity isn't wrapped up in winning this argument in, in our opinion. That, that's a very good insight, Trevor, because sometimes what happens is I want to win. Someone wants to win more than to find truth. Mm-hmm. And we need to come in teachable and say, God, I want to get to the truth. So what am I thinking right? What am I thinking wrong? Yeah. You know, what is my friend saying in their disagreement with me where I go, oh, you know what? I, that sounds more like or that more aligns with, oh, I was missing that. Mm-hmm. It takes real humility to be able to be in a conversation in marriage or in work or, you know, amongst pastors, amongst elders, takes a humility. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And good stuff. Good stuff. So yeah, let's jump into some of the stories from the past. Um, and I'll, I could, yeah, I could leave it open-ended. I know the building is one of the things that early in your, um, kind of stepping into the leadership at your North, that was one of the, the big projects. And, um, Oh, that was, that was really, that really marked Park, I believe, for the first 10 years. So when I came here, the first event in, in a building project that we had at my previous church in Philadelphia, the first event was our goodbye, you know, was our goodbye event, you know. So I had spent the last couple of years uh, uh, raising money and building, along with others, building a building, a very large building, some other things that we needed at my church in Philadelphia. Well, the first event there was our goodbye. So I was tired. And when I came to park, I said to him, guys, I just came out of a very extensive building project. Can we have a break? And they said, oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm not there six months before someone proposes near North. And, and they were right. They were right to. So the elders began to pray, we began to fast, and we said, yes, this is right. We need to do this. So we began to ask the question, Lord, what would you do? Because one of the things we agreed early, we didn't want to be a mega church in the city. We really wanted to be in neighborhoods. So that's where we came up with, I came to the elders one day and said, what if, what if we sought to seek to reach 1% of the city of Chicago? 1%. And and we prayed other churches would reach 1%. That together, that we would begin to see a change in the city. Because they say a tipping point is 3 to 5% of the city being strong followers of Christ. You begin to have a significant impact on the city. Just 3 to 5%. That's not a lot. And so the elders bought into that. And the second thing the elders bought into is that park that near north would be a location, not the only location. And that's where we began to develop the strategy for locations. We brought in a consultant to, uh, I, I didn't want to, but the elders were wise and said, you're the only one that's done a building program. The rest of us have, and if you could have, we got some coaching. Yeah. And Eugenia's like, you're right. And so we brought a guy in and he said, listen, with the, the age of your, your people and the turnover of your people, as you know, 25 to 40% every couple of years, people are moving out of the city. He said, if you guys can raise $6 million, that would be phenomenal, phenomenal. Mm-hmm. So we said, okay, all right, $6 million. And that's what we began to pray for. We all did a study together on uh, stewardship, everybody. And if you weren't in a small group, we provided a small group for the study of stewardship. And we watched people begin to make some incredibly significant choices. We had a woman who had been saving up to pour down payment on her on a house. 
yeah. who felt led to give her down payment toward the building this, this stewardship campaign, which was called Imagine More. We had a teacher who was going to resign, going to retire, and she decided, I'll teach one more year and give the majority of my salary toward this. We had people writing their first tithe check. You know, they'd never given before, and they started writing their first check to the work of the kingdom. I mean, we just heard story after story after story like this and people saying, we're in, we're in. So I went to the leadership, I went to the elders, I went to the key leaders, you know, the small group leaders, and we challenged them and said, listen, what can we do together? You know, what can we do to give, kind of lead the way, right? And so uh, a couple of Sundays before the church was going to bring their commitments, we gathered all of the leadership commitments and I got up and I'll never forget it, Trevor. We're at Lincoln Park in the, before it was changed when it was stinking hot. <laughs> That's another story. And <laughs> uh, in, 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 I was given the, the number right before I got up. So I hadn't seen it till I stood up literally within my hand and I opened it and I said, as leaders, we want you to know that we've committed ourselves. And then I read the, 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 the $1 million. And I went, I mean, I was caught off guard. It's like, holy mackerel, that, that we as leadership team had committed to this. You know, and we were asking people to give above and beyond. Yeah. You could hear a, 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 a verbal gasp. You know, you could hear a whoop like that all throughout the, the auditorium. And then we came back and we said, okay, in a couple of weeks, we're inviting all of you to join us as leaders. And what is it God's asking you to do? And so when all that was gathered and all of that was tallied, it was $9 million. Yeah. $9 million. Again, me of little faith, you know, it's like, holy mackerel. And people of all sizes and shapes committing themselves to see this work in the city. And I should have said, we didn't have a permanent location for 20 years. You know, there was no permanent location in the church. And so the fact that we were going to have a permanent location meant a lot to people. You, you've heard it. You've teased me about it. There really was a phrase, if you can find us, you can worship with us. Because we were a half church, we'll travel. Man, we met everywhere. One Sunday, we couldn't find anywhere to meet because everything was shut down for whatever reason. We met at the Drake Hotel in the ballroom. We met in the round, so I spoke in the round. You know, I'm constantly turning because somebody's looking at my fanny through the whole message. So I'm, you know, I'm trying to turn. And this was just typical of Park. If you can find us, you can worship with us. To have a permanent location was a huge thing. And, and that, those of us who were around in that day, we we remember what God did among us. You know, it kind of really established the groundwork. Of a vision, one percent of the of city, a church, a biblical gospel preaching church in every neighborhood of the city. I'm knowing we didn't mean all of us, but us with other churches. I mean, a lot of that language came out of that stewardship initiative. Yeah, yeah, because I believe you would even uh, like in that season. So, the, like the building was kind of the first step uh, in the giving campaign, but it, that by no means was the end of the journey. You even used this language around the L, kind of in casting vision, right? That. That's right. That's right. Oh, very good memory. We talked about it. it's not the end. This is merely a stop on the L. Like, you know, it, it's not the end of the, it's not our destination. It's just the beginning of where we're trying to go. Yeah. So we bought this old dry good warehouse over 100 years old. It was a complete 
dump, dump. And so we we did a lot of the work in it. A, a group of guys called uh, Construction Connection, I believe is what it, you know, now it's slipping my mind. But anyway, the two brothers, Van Dixhorns, who were involved in the church for many years before they moved, took this over. And so we went in and cleaned it up. Uh, power washed everything before the construction started and we did several things that were very significant uh, uh, on the floor we wrote down names of people that we wanted to see come into the building to be exposed to the gospel and so all over underneath the carpet underneath the paint are names of people yeah and that, was, that was very significant yeah and then we, when we began to put up uh, uh, the, the shoot, what are they called, Trevor? That you build wall up, uh, you know, you, you frame out a room. They're called yeah, studs. Studs. Thank you. <laughs> I couldn't remember. We had metal studs. Uh-huh. We began to write Bible verses on metal studs. You know, a bunch of us came in and we all wrote down several Bible verses. So behind the walls are Bible verses. Again, why? Because we said we want the word. To be what holds this church, you yeah. know, we want the Word of God to be what is we're focused on and we're building on, and so those are very significant things. You don't, you wouldn't know it until you take a wall down. You wouldn't know it if, unless you pulled the carpet up. That underneath there are names of people and Bible verses. Yeah. One other thing we did is outside, uh, we all got a paint strip. You know, one of those things you stir uh, paint with, whatever those things yeah. are. Sorry, I can't think of anything this morning. And we wrote down a challenge for ourselves on that. And then we hammered those into the ground and poured concrete over it. And that's out in the parking lot. Yeah. And so there also are promises of what we want to see God do Mm -hmm. at park. You know, so it's kind of cool. I can walk around. I know that. But it's like you came later. You didn't know that unless someone told you. Yeah, no, I had been attending near North, and I think I was even on staff for a little while before I'd ever heard anything about that. And it's kind of fascinating to think, like, you know, I'm, like, I'm, you're walking around and, uh, like, attending services, talking with people, like, it's your church, and you have no idea that there's these Bible verses, like, written in, into the structure of the building and the names of people that, uh, you know, we wanted to see come to faith, that that's all, like, it's in the structure of the, of the place in which we're meeting, uh, and it. Yeah, it's just some of the history that's really cool to see that it still surrounds us. It's very fun. I remember Don and I wrestling about what we were going to give, you know, what were, what were we going to commit to above and beyond. Mm-hmm. And so we took a risk. We said, all right, Lord, you know, we want to lead the way. We want to make sure. And we weren't the only ones. There were many of us who took a risk and said, okay, we're going to do X percent, you know, some large percent for us. Yeah. And we watched God meet those faith challenges over and over again in people's lives man it was it was just i was awed i'm telling you i i really was i was awed uh-huh. and was reminded my faith was so little <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and that's it's always fun stuff to talk about and i know the the hope is you know not not just to like look back to the like the glory days but also that these are memories of God's faithfulness, right? That, that he's been faithful to our church. He's worked in these incredible ways that we still have evidence of, that we're still surrounded by. Um, and so it shouldn't, it shouldn't just leave us with a longing for the past, but, but to look to the future with faith, uh, that, that God's been faithful before, he will continue to be faithful. And we want to see him move in those same ways uh, as he continues to do 
you know, new things within our, within our ministry, whether that's here in Chicago or even abroad. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's when we began to get the language, right? A, 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 a gospel preaching church in every neighborhood. So the locations, the churches that, that, that Park now has came out of that. You know, all we had is we had Lincoln Park. We left Lincoln Park. We came to near North. I don't want to say left it. I mean, we left people there and came to near North. That was it. You know, we had to figure that out. And then we began to add other locations that are now churches. And so the vision that Park is working on is a continuation of the vision that God gave us back in that day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It is pretty cool to see how how much of a like a turning point that was and how much that shaped the trajectory. I was even thinking about it this past weekend um, with, you know, moving in the center region to the two services at LP, two at Near North, and how how long it was as a church before we had moved into that. And, you know, then the pandemic, we, uh, you know, we, we moved down to one service and then jumped up kind of quickly. And so in, in one regard, it feels like we're just moving back to what we had had before. But on the other hand, it was, it was a significant length of time. If you go back to 1988, when we began as a church to, to get to where we are. Um, yeah. So it was, it felt like a significant weekend to me in that way. I think the pandemic, if I may, has pushed restart on almost every church. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like you can't just slide back to where you were. It's almost like you've got to recast a vision for where you're going. Yeah. A lot of people left. A lot of people left the city, as you well know. A lot of people moved on. Mm -hmm. uh, we're told from research that a third of those who were attending church may not come back to church. So I think churches like Park, have to recast vision on who are we going to be as a church, which I know you guys are working on. Mm -hmm. But who are we and where are we going? Hoping, I'm hoping that some of those things linger, some of those things stay that are connected so deeply in the DNA and will continue. Mm -hmm. But it'll be interesting to see what God unfolds. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so maybe maybe just in kind of a closing word here, um, what what would you offer in terms of uh, an encouragement? I guess if you if you got anything as a just a I don't just a, a word to to our listeners. Yeah, I I think at a macro level. Well, let me start at a micro level. One of the things that I'm very encouraged about is you. I'll be honest with you. You, I listen to you. I you're one of my favorite preachers, you know, you and Dan Osborne, I, I tend to listen to a lot. I really thoroughly enjoy you guys. You're, you're young in your career, you're beginning in your career, but dang, yeah, you're really good. And I thoroughly have thoroughly enjoyed, I don't know how many times, Trevor, you will preach and I'll go, huh, I never thought of it that way. <laughs> you know? So thank you. Thank you for growing and being committed to what God's doing in your life and developing that gift that he's given you. I think at a macro level is don't grow weary in doing good. You know, Galatians says, don't grow weary in doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. Don't grow weary as a church. There is going to be turnover. People have left. Some people that have been there a long time. And that can be, as you and I know, can be incredibly discouraging for a pastor where people just pick up their community and leave. Mm -hmm. But to believe there's a fresh work that God is going to do. And don't lose sight of this fresh work. Yeah. And believe God for something so big that unless he's in it for doom. Don't shoot low. Shoot big. God wants to do a significant thing. There are millions of people in the city of Chicago who don't know him yet. Yeah. So dream big. What does it mean to reach them and get yeah. after that? Yeah. Even for the resources. Is that Habakkuk that has a wait for the vision? Is that Yes. Habakkuk? Don't grow weary. Wait. It will come. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, man, that's great. Well, uh, yeah. First off, your your compliments as a preacher means it means a ton. So thank you. I appreciate that very much. And then uh, second, it's been great uh, just having this conversation. Thanks for making the time. Know that you and Donna are very busy, so I I appreciate it. And uh, thanks so much for for being on the show. It's so fun. Thank you for having me, Trevor. All right. Thanks for joining us this week. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, Again, if you have any questions you'd like us to discuss in an upcoming episode, you can send those to us at podcast at parkcommunitychurch.org or just drop a comment wherever you happen to be listening. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back next week with a new episode.